like tasty beers Open up your mouth holes And open up your ears For... Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year, New Beer, Happiest New Beer, hi, 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 Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, um, welcome to the Booze and Brews podcast, welcome to our very special musical extravaganza, just kidding, it's not a musical, (laughs) they're gonna be rockettes though, hope you weren't excited, there is a lot of choreography, but you don't get to see see any of it. it. Because yeah. it's not a video podcast. Yeah. So fuck off. Ha ha ha. Um, hi. Hi. Welcome to our Christmas show. We're really excited to bring you what we're about to bring you. Yeah. And we're really excited to spend our holiday with you. Yeah. So Merry Christmas. This episode drops on Christmas. So if you're listening to this late, fuck you. Fuck you. This was you're not dedicated Christmas. Yeah. It was drops on Christmas. So it's you for been, Christmas. You should have been listening on Christmas. Christmas. If you're late, Animal. that's on you. La. Arf, arf, arf. Uh, so DMX <laughs> bark dogs bark dog bark dog um so spoiler alert it's our second episode of the day yes Vanessa's a little drunk a little bit so is Bob yep Melly's not because we just made an emergency run emergency emergency run, run to Staples and I drove so, so I'm not she's wasted she's not drunk <laughs> when we were at Staples I was like Melly I'm drunk <laughs> <laughs> and she was like I know I'm not <laughs> <laughs> that's my reaction i'm not cool um but yes so for this episode we're bringing you a very special booze and brews christmas yes we're doing something a little different than what we normally do but we're really excited about it yeah. we are so f- get excited fuckers yep but lower your expectations yeah. Yeah. So get excited, get too excited. But not that excited <laughs> yeah. so this week we're not going to tell each other ghost stories no well, we in, are. Well, in the traditional sense. In the and traditional we sense. Are in but the, we're going to tell you a traditional ghost story. And we're also going to drink thematically appropriate beers. Yes. yes. So, so in keeping with the we're theme on of the brand. show. Yeah. On brand. On brand. It's totally on brand. Um, but so today we're going to bring you a very special reading of A Christmas Carol. Yes. Um, which is, as you know, uh, written by Charles Dickens. Now, this is the abridged version. Yes, that he would read for his public readings of A Christmas Carol. But we have adapted this. Well, we, Vanessa, has adapted this for podcasting um, by Foamy the Ghost slash Vanessa. Yay. Yay. Don't sound sad. <laughs> <laughs> it took so long. It did take a long time. <laughs> it's going to be it great. It was longer than I thought. Uh, and, and before this, you'll have a very special poem that... Yes. Charles Dickens himself used to read before the reading of the reading. So, yes, yeah, so this very special poem recited to you by very special Christmas appearance by the one and only Foamy the Ghost. Woo! Oh, I have endeavored in this ghostly little book to raise the ghost of an idea, <laughs> which shall not put my readers out of humor with themselves, no. with each other, no. with this season, no. or... With me, maybe oh, it may haunt their houses pleasantly, and no one wish to lay it. I want to lay it to get uh, laid. Uh. Their faithful friend and service, Fermi the Ghost, December 1843. Or 2017. <laughs> or December 2017. 2017. Whenever. The year of our Lord. Yes, year of our Lord. <sighs> get ready, right, guys. kids. Buckle up, fuckers. Buckle up, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> 
because this is real long. We're going to tell you the story of a Christmas Carol yes. that we have adapted for you, specifically for you. Mm-hmm. It's it's long. And it's a lot of reading. It's a lot of words on paper. And, and I'm drunk. So know that. With, no, look, no more caveats. <laughs> dive in. Get into it. Let's do this. All right. Here we go. Bane Marley was dead to begin with. There was no doubt whatsoever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. General Ebenezer Corncob signed it. And Corncob's name was good upon anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was dead as a doornail. Corncob knew he was dead. Of course he did. How could it be otherwise? Corncob and he were partners for I don't know how many years. Corncob was his sole executor. Executor? <laughs> he executed him. I executed a number of men. It was ex- it was spectacular. With my boats. I'm a boat general, you know. His sole administrator, his sole assignee, his sole residuary legatee. I didn't look up any of these fucking words. His sole friend, his sole mourner. Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone was Corncob. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous, God, this guy liked adjectives, old sinner. External heat and cold had little influence on him. No warmth could warm him. No cold could chill him. No wind upon... No wind that blew was bitterer than he. No falling snow was more intent upon its purpose. No pelting rain less open to entreaty. No one ever stopped him in the street to say with gladsome looks, My dear corncob, how are you? When will you come to see me? No beggars implored to bestow him with a trifle. No children asked him what it was o'clock. No man, <laughs> the fucking Dickens man, <laughs> no man or woman ever once in his lifetime inquired the way to such and such a place of corncob. Even the blind men's puppos appeared to know him, and when they saw him coming on, would tug their owners into doorways and up courts, and then would wag their tails as though to say, No eye at all is better than an evil eye, Dark Master. <laughs> but what did Ebenezer Corncob care? It was the very thing he liked to edge his way along the okay fucking printer to edge it's his way ghost. along the crowded paths of life, warning all human sympathy to keep its distance. Once upon a time, of all good days of the year, upon a Christmas Eve, old Corncob sat busy at his counting house. It was cold, bleak, biting, foggy weather. Jeez. Seriously, dude, he bought a thesaurus and he was, was real fucking, fucking excited. Cold. The city clocks had only gone three, but it was quite dark already. The door of Corncob's county house was open that he might keep an eye upon his clerk, who, in a dismal little cell beyond, was copying letters. A Merry Christmas, Uncle. I God save you, said a cheerful voice. It was the voice of Corncob's nephew, who came upon him so quickly that it was his first intimation Corncob had of his approach. Bah humbug! Christmas a humbug, Uncle? You don't mean that, I am sure. I certainly do. Christmas is stupid. What is it but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer? A time for buying excellent stereo systems for family members who simply can't appreciate high-fidelity audio? Why, if I had my way, every idiot who goes around with Merry Christmas on his lips would be boiled in his own poo and bear the stake of holly shoved in his bottom. So there! Uncle! Nephew, keep Christmas in your own way. I'll keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone, then. Much good may it do you. Much good has it 
ever done you. So there. <laughs> there are many things from which I might have derived good by which I have not profited, I dare say. Christmas among the rest. But I am sure I have always thought of Christmas time as a good time. A kind, fucking adjective, forgiving, <laughs> charitable, pleasant, awesome, wonderful, extravagant time. Cheese-tastic. Cheese-tastic. <laughs> full of cheese balls. The only time I know of when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut-up hearts freely, to shut up and to thank people below them, as if they really were fellow travelers to the grave. And therefore, Uncle, I, though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe that it has done me good, and will do me good, and I say, God bless it. The clerk in the tank involuntarily applauded. Oh, thank you, thank you, oh, thank you. Let me hear another word from you, and I, Ebenezer, Charles, in quotes, uh, <laughs> corncob will fart directly in your mouth. <laughs> Don't be angry, Uncle. Come, dine with us tomorrow. Corncob said it would be a cold day in hell before he would grace the door of his ungrateful before he grace the door of his ungrateful nephew and his fat ass wife. Your wife has a large bottom. But why? Why? Why did you get married? Because I fell in love, and she's got a great dumper. Because you fell in love, great dumper. Growled Corncob, as if that were the only thing in the world more ridiculous than a merry Christmas. Fuck off. Nay, Uncle, but. You never came to see me before I married. Why give it a reason for not coming now? Eat a dick and fuck off. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why cannot we be friends? Perhaps eat two dicks and also fuck off. I am sorry with all my heart to find you so resolute. We have never had any quarrel, except right now it would seem. But I have made the trial an homage to Christmas, and I'll keep my Christmas humor to the last. So, a Merry Christmas, Uncle. Three dicks, fuck off, and also a poop in your mouth. And a happy new year. Fuck off! His nephew left the room without an angry word. The clerk, in letting Corncob's nephew out, had let two other people in. They were portly, porkly gentlemen, pleasant to behold, and now stood with their hats off in Corncob's office. They had books and papers in their hands and bowed to him like a general samurai. Corncob and Marley's, I believe said one of the gentlemen, referring to his list. Have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Corncob or Mr. Marley? Mr. Marley has been dead for seven years. He died seven years ago. That's what seven years mean. This very night. At this festive season of the year, Mr. Corncob, it is more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute. Our fair city has run ripe with a terrible case of butt nipples. Many suffer greatly at the present time. Many thousands are in want of common hemorrhoid creams. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common donut pillows. Are there no prisons? Oh, oh, no, plenty of prisons. But under the impression that they scarcely furnish Christian cheer to the mind or to the butt, a few of us are endeavoring to raise a fund to buy the poor some uh, fiber supplements and uh, heated toilet seats. We chose uh, choose this time uh, because it is a time of all others when uh, our butt nipples are keenly felt. Uh, what shall I put you down for? Nothing! Oh, you wish to be anonymous. I wish to be left alone with my fancy boats. Since you ask me what I wish, gentlemen, that is my answer. I don't make merry my own butt nipples at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people's butt nipples butt nipplery merry. I, <laughs> I help support the prisons and workhouses, which are incredibly expensive, don't you know? Uh, and those who are badly must off must go there. 
many can't go there, and many would rather die. If they would rather die, I'd be happy to help, as you know, I, General Ebenezer Giles Corncob, command many boats, and I would be more than happy to shoot them with cannons and decrease the surplus population with cannon fodder of the people by shooting them with cannons. At length, the hour of shutting up the counting house arrived, with an ill-will corncob dismounting from his stool. Oh, you'll want a day tomorrow, I suppose. Uh, Quite convenient, sir. I'll have you know it is not convenient. It is not fair. Uh, If I was to stop half a crown for it, you would think yourself mightily ill-used, am I correct? Yes, sir. And you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work? It's only once a year, sir. A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here earlier the next morning with bagels and donuts, but I prefer donuts. But I have no money. That sounds like a personal problem. That's a YP. <laughs> you problem. The clerk promised that he would, and Corncob walked out with a growl. Mm. Corncob took his melancholy dinner at his usual melancholy tavern, having beguiled the rest of the evening on his banker's books and with several flat, non-alcoholic beers, tasting of piss and Cheerios, and went home to bed. He lived in the chambers which had once belonged to his deceased partner. Creepy. Now it is a fact that there was nothing at all peculiar about the knocker on the door of this house, except that it was very large, also that Corncob had seen it night and morning during his whole residence at that place. And yet, having the key in the lock of the door saw in the knocker, without its undergoing any intermediate process of change, not a knocker, but Bane Marley's face. (laughs) Marley's face with a dismal light about it, like a bad lobster in a dark cellar. That was a Dickens original. I did not change that. (laughs) I've never had a bad lobster in a dark cellar. Like an Australian lobster where I know to put my (laughs) wee-wee. It was not an angry or ferocious, but it looked at Corncob as Marley used to look, with a ghostly filter strapped upon its ghostly mouth. Ooh. Ghostly dildo. As Corncob looked fixedly on this phenomenon, it was a knocker again, and he said, Poo-poo! And closed the door with a bang. The sound bang. resounded throughout the house like thunder. Every room above appeared to have a separate peal of echoes of its own. Corncob was not a man to be frightened of echoes. He fastened the door and walked across the hall and up the stairs. Up Corncob went, not carrying a button for it being very dark. Darkness is cheap, and Corncob liked it. Like a whore. In the pooper. But before he shut his heavy door and walked through his rooms to see that all was right, he had just enough recollection of the face to desire to do that. Bedroom, sitting room, shitting room, all as they should be. Nobody under the table, nobody under the sofa, a small fire in the grate, a small tube of anal lubricant, Corncob really did have a bad case of the butt nipples, upon his chamber pot. It's like sitting on fire, you know. Nobody under the bed, nobody in the closet, nobody in his dressing gown. So no one was there, I get it. Get it empty. Nobody... I'm not quite sure I understand what we're trying to get at here. (laughs) Quite satisfied. You were satisfied. That's what we're trying to get at. I feel great and there's no one in my house as far as I understand. He closed his door and locked himself in. Double locked it himself, which was not his custom. Mm -hmm. Thus secured against surprise, he took off his cravat, put on his dressing gown and slippers and his nightcap, and sat down before the very low fire to apply his anal lube. Mm -hmm. As he slowly lowered himself onto a chair, slowly, gently... His glance happened to rest upon a bell, a disused bell that hung in the room. It was with great astonishment and with a strange, inexplicable dread that, as he looked on, he saw this bell began to swing. 
Soon it rang out loudly, and so did every other bell in the house. This was succeeded by a clanking noise deep down below, as if some person were dragging a heavy chain throughout the cellar, where apparently you eat bad lobsters. <laughs> then he heard the noise much louder on the floors below, then coming up the stairs, then coming straight towards his door. It came on through the heavy door as a specter and passed into the room before him. The same face, the very same. Marley, in his usual Kevlar vest, waistcoat, <laughs> tights, and boots. His body was transparent, so the corncob observing him looked through his waistcoat and could see the two buttons on the, his coat behind. Though he looked as a phantom, wait, though he looked the phantom through and through, <laughs> I, I, give me a second, though he looked a phantom through I and through, watch. <laughs> and saw it standing before him, Though he felt the chilling influence of its death-cold eyes and noticed the very texture of its keenly shaven head, he was still incredulous. How now? What do you want with me? Ebony's a corn cob. Marley's voice, no doubt about it. Well, who are you? Ask me who I was. No, you should you should answer Ebony's a corn cob's questions because I'm Ebony's a corn cob. So there. Well, in life, I was your partner. Bane Marley, you don't believe in me? No! What evidence would you have of my reality beyond that of your senses? Well, you can show me your pee-pee hose. Bane Marley was fond of pulling it out at dinner parties, you know. No. <laughs> my pee-pee is long gone, sir. <laughs> <laughs> or is it just long? Heyo! Heyo! Ba-dump-a-bump. <laughs> <laughs> but why, sir, do you doubt your senses? Well, to be quite honest, I don't sleep well unless I go to bed quite drunk. Uh, and I, I, I had beef for dinner, which has made me rather gassy. Uh, you lots of gravy there. There's more gravy than grave about you, whatever you are. But um <laughs> Corncob was not much in the habit of cracking jokes, nor did he feel in his heart that by any means waggish then. The truth is that he tried to be smart as a means of distracting his own attention and keeping down his horror. But how much greater was his horror when the phantom, taking off his trousers, unwound the bandage round its penis as if it was too warm to wear indoors, and its ball sack dropped upon the floor. You stupid ghost, go away! <laughs> Why do you spirits walk the earth? Well, your dangle-down beanbags are so wrinkly. Why, why do they come to me? Or on you. Or on me. It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad his fellow men and travel far and wide. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. I cannot tell you all I would. A very little more is permitted to me. I cannot rest, I, I cannot stay, I cannot linger anywhere. I cannot even kill the Batman. Well, seven years dead and yet the Batman lives, poppycock. Uh, 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 and traveling all the time? Do you travel fast? On the wings of the wind in a stolen Batmobile. Well, that's a tight whip. I, I, I assume, given your phantasmagorical appearance... Ghost that, ride that whip? That you ghost ride it with great frequency. That that was a pun. Anyway, you, 
You might have got over a great quantity of ground in seven years. Oh, blind man. Blind as a bat man. Not to know that any Christian spirit working kindly in its little sphere, whatever it may be, will find its mortal life too short for its vast means of usefulness. Not to know that no space of regret can make amends for one life's opportunities misused. But you're always a good man of business, Bane. Business? Mankind was my business. <laughs> Killing Batman was my business. Come to die with your city. <laughs> the common welfare was my business. Charity. Mercy, Jesus Christ, adjectives, <laughs> benevolence, fuckery were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. Corncob was very much dismayed to hear the specter going on at this rate and began to quake exceedingly. Oh, too many adjectives! Hear me, my time is nearly gone. I prefer not to. All right, fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm here tonight to warn you that you have a chance and hope of escaping my fate. A chance and hope of pro- my procuring, Mr. Corncob. You're always a very fine friend to me. Thank you. You will be haunted by three spirits. Spirits? Spirits like ghosts, not spirits like drank. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I find it rather upsetting that that, that apparently Sizzurp is off the table this evening. Whatever. Uh, Is that the chance and hope you mentioned, Bane? Ghosts? I I think I'd rather not. Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread, Batman. Son of a bitch! Expect the first tomorrow night when the bell tolls one. Expect the second on the next night at the same hour. You get where I'm going with this. Same bad time, same bad <laughs> channel. Same bad time, same bad channel. The third upon the next night, and the last stroke of 12 has ceased to vibrate with your vibrator. Look <laughs> to see me no more, and look that for your own sake. You remember what has passed between us, and for Christ's sake, Will you kill the Batman for me? It walked back. That would be a delight. <laughs> it walked backward from him, and at every step it took, the window raised itself a little, so that when the apparition reached it, it was wide open, <clears throat> and the spirit flew out. Corncob closed the window and examined the door by which the ghost had entered. It was double locked, and he had locked it with his own hands, and the bolts were undisturbed. Corncob tried to say, "Humbug!" Humbug! But stopped at the first syllable. What? Hum! <laughs> and being from the emotion he had undergone, or fatigues of the day, or his glimpse of the invisible world, or the dull conversation with the ghost, or the lateness of the hour, or some other fucking thing that Charles Dickens decided to put in this goddamn script, <laughs> much in need of repose, he went straight to bed without undressing and fell asleep on the instant. When Corncob awoke. You gotta read the title. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were just jumping part right two. in. No, part, part, part two. The first of the three spirits. When Corncob awoke, it was so dark <laughs> that looking out of bed, he could scarcely distinguish the transparent window from the opaque walls of his chamber until suddenly the church clock told a deep, Jesus Christ, deep, 
dull, hollow, melancholy one. Just one. One. Light flashed up in the room upon the instant, and the curtains of his bed were drawn aside by a strange figure, like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man. With weird dangle downs, viewed through some supernatural medium. Which, Not like the thing I just said, but something different. Totally different. Which gave him the appearance of having receded from the view and being diminished to a child's proportions. Its hair ran long and greasy down its back. It held a f- Guido. Yeah. Held a fresh a piece of fresh cheese pizza in each of its hands, and its dress trimmed with breadsticks and marinara sauce. But the strangest thing about it was that from the crown on its head, there sprung a tiny but brightly lit llama <laughs> by which all of this was visible. It's a glowing llama. I'm oh, sorry. I was promised spirits. Is that you? I am. Il sono. <laughs> oh, who? And what are you? Il sono male de pizza. Also, did not look up. This is just my no, what I know Italian, so that may not be how you say pizza hands in Italian. Hey, oh, the ghost of pizza hands of ancient times. Like a long time ago? No, you're a past. The things that you will see with me are the shadows of things that have a been. The crumbs of pizzas you have a eaten. They will have no consciousness of us. Corncob then made bold to inquire what business brought him there. What business brought you here? <laughs> Your welfare. Rise and walk with me. It would have been in vain for Corncob without pizza hands. I know. It's so all much pizza, pizza hands. hands. <laughs> so much shaking. It would have been in vain for Corncob to plead that the weather and the hour were not adapted to pedestrian purposes, that bed was warm and the thermometer a long way below freezing, that he was clad but lightly in his slippers, dressing gown, Slippies. and nightcap. No underpants. And that he had a terrible case of butt nipples upon him at that time. The grasp, though warm as a fresh slice of pizza, was not to be resisted. He rose, but finding that the spirit made towards the window, clasped his robe in supplication. Even though I, Ebenezer Jarls, in quotation marks, corncob, am an excellent physical specimen with an impeccable balance, I am worried that I might fall. Bear but a touch of my hand upon your heart, and you will see it upheld more than these. As the words were spoken, they passed through the wall and stood in the busy thoroughfares of a city. It was made plain enough by the dressing of the shops there that here, too, it was Christmas time. The ghost stopped at a certain warehouse door and asked Corncob if he knew it. Oh, I knew it. Uh, 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 was, uh, was I apprenticed here? They went in. At sight of an old gentleman in a Welsh wig sitting behind a high desk that, if he had been two inches taller, he must have knocked his head against the ceiling. Corncob cried in great excitement. Well, why, it's old Fezziwig. Bless his heart, he died of complications due to syphilis, don't you know? But that is definitely him. That's Fezziwig alive again. Old Fezziwig laid down his pen and looked up at the clock, which pointed to the hour of seven. He rubbed his hands, adjusted his, I am not saying this word, waistcoat, capricious. No, it's ca- there's no R Capacious? there. Capacious? Capacious. Who cares? Look, he adjusted waistcoat. his fucking waistcoat, laughed all over himself, peed all over himself, from his shoes to his organ of benevolence, and also, called out- Also, that was the dickens. Organ of- he laughed down to his dick? Organ of benevolence. Organ of benevolence is your dick? Well, it is now. What it's a ge- else would it be? Does what that mean other organ is dick? of your benevolence? He had a It's a giving organ. Dick. It gives a it lot. It gives. It gives and gives and keeps on giving. Yeah, it kind of can't help but give or you get real grumpy. Yeah. 
and called out in a comfortable, more adjective, <laughs> oily, rich, fat, jovial voice. Yo ho there, Ebenezer, Dick. <laughs> a living and moving picture of Corncob's former self, a, a young man, not a general, came briskly in, accompanied by his fellow apprentice. Oh, Dick Penisman, to be sure, said Corncob to the ghost. My old fellow apprentice, bless me, yes, there he is. He was very much attracted to me, was Dick. Oh, poor Dick, dear Dick. Yo ho, my boys, no more work tonight. Christmas Eve, Dick. Christmas, Ebenezer. Let's have the shutters up before a man can say, Haunted Cave. <laughs> Clear away, my lads, and let's have lots of room here. Clear away? There was nothing they wouldn't have cleared away or couldn't have cleared away with old Fezziwig looking on. It was done in a minute. Every movable was packed off. The floor was swept and watered like a plant. The lamps were trimmed. Like mopped. The lamps were trimmed. Yeah. Like what? They fucking cut like a, it's a weed? Anyway. They trimmed it like, they like, trimmed a, it to like a candles. No, I'm they fucking thinking like... light bulbs, goddammit. Oh, okay. There's no light it bulbs. It was older than times. Light bulbs. Pretty light bulb. Fuel was heaped upon the fire, and the warehouse was as snug and warm and dry and And bright, other adjectives. And bright and happy and lovely a ballroom <laughs> as you would desire to see upon a winter's night. In came a fiddler with a music book and up went to the lofty desk and went up to the lofty desk and made an orchestra of it. In came Mrs. Fezziwig, one vast, substantial smile and her big old ass. In came three Miss Fezziwigs, beaming and lovable. And Smaller bit, asses, but still large. And a bit slutty. Substantial. In came the six young followers whose hearts they broke. Oh, they were sluts. In came all the young men and women employed <laughs> like in the, the business. They were the Kardashians of their day. They were. Yeah. Oh in my God, it's Hashtag Christmas. slutty wigs. <laughs> Fezzy sluts. <laughs> in came the housemaid with her cousin the baker and her candlestick maker friend in came the cook with her brother's particular friend the milkman I feel like particular. that guy was gay right? oh, yeah, that was Dickens friend? being like that dude's gay <laughs> in they all came one after another away they all went 20 couples at once hands half round and back again the other way down the middle and up again okay imagine a dance you're dancing this is what I'm fucking describing Good round and round and round and round and round in various stages of affectionate grouping or groping a lot of lot of circle jerking when this result was brought it's just about, dick butts circle the dick butts circle of dick butts old Fezziwig clapping his hands to stop the dance cried out well done! And the fiddler plunged his hot face into a pot of porter, especially provided for that purpose. That's my boy. There were more dances. There were more forfeits. More dances. There was cake. Cake! Let them eat cake! And there was a great piece of cold roast, which would have been better warm. And plenty of beer! Yeah! Beer! But the great effect of the evening came when the fiddler struck up the Booze and Bruce theme song. Balls and Bruce! Then Balls old, and Bruce! Then old Fezziwig stood out to dance. With Mrs. Fezziwig. When the clock struck 11, this domestic ball broke up. Mr. and Mrs. Feggy... Feggywig? Feggywig. 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 Took their stations, one on either side of the door, and shaking hands with every person individually as he or she went out, wished him or her a Merry Christmas. When everybody had retired but the two apprentices, they did the same to them, and thus the cheerful voices died away, and the lads were left to their beds, which were under a counter in the back shop. To jack each other. Well, yeah. A small matter to make these silly folks so grateful our gratitude. He spent but a few pounds of your mortal money. Three or four, perhaps. That's so much that he deserves such a praise. 
It isn't that, said Corncob, heated by the remark and speaking unconsciously like his former, not his latter self. It isn't that, Pizza Hand Spirit. He has the power to render us happy or sad, to make our service fun or even unfun, <coughs> a pleasure or a pain in the backside. But did he give you pizza? I don't know, because it's not written here. <laughs> Say that his power lies in words and looks. It... In things so slight and insignificant that it is impossible to add and count them up. Aren't you an accountant? I'm Aren't not... you an accountant? Uh? I was an apprentice. I was not great at it at this point. You're being rude. Uh, what then? The happiness he gives is quite as great as the cost of a fortune. He felt the money to Pizza's glance and stopped. What is the matter? Nothing. Your face is a problem. It's, it's wrong with it. Something besides my face, I think. My face is a perfect... No, no, I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now, that's all. My time grows short, like my tiny hat llama. <laughs> Quick! This was not addressed to Corncob or to anyone whom he could see, but it produced an immediate effect. For again, he saw himself. He was older now, a man in the prime of life, he was not alone, but sat by the side of a fair young girl in a black dress, in whose eyes there were tears. It matters little, she said softly to Corncob's former self. To you, very little. Another idol has replaced me, and if it can comfort you sexually in time to come, as I would have tried to do, I have no just cause to grave. What idol has displaced, uh, displaced you? A golden one. You fear the world too much. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one until the master passion gain engrosses and penetrates you. Have I not? What then? Even if I've grown so much wiser, what then? I, 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 I am not changed toward you. Have I ever sought release from another's mouth? Or, or, or release from our engagement? <laughs> In words, no. I would like to revisit the mouth party aspect of our relationship. Is that... No, right? none for you. All right, no, fine. No. Fine, fine. In what then? <laughs> In a changed nature. In an altered <laughs> spirit. In another atmosphere of life. Another hope at its great end. I'm still doing pizza here. <laughs> <laughs> Can even I believe that you would choose a dowerless girl or choosing her? Do I not know that your repentance and regret would surely follow? I do. And I release you with a full heart and wet panties oh, for the love of him that you once were. Not now. My panties are not wet for but who you are now because now you are gross. Spirit, remove me from this place. I told you these were a shadows of things that have a been. That they were... <laughs> that they are what they are. Do not blame a pizza hand. <laughs> Remove me. I cannot bear it. Leave me. Take me back. Haunt me no longer. As he struggled with the spirit, he was conscious of being exhausted and overcome by an irresistible drowsiness. And further... I'm very tired, but I also have a boner due to the wet panty talk. None of, for you. And being in his own bedroom... He had barely time to reel to bed and rub one out before he sank into a heavy sleep. <laughs> jacking it, jacking it. The second of the three spirits. Waking, Corncob found himself in his bedroom. 
There was no doubt about that. Why do I always have to say there's no doubt about that? Why is that in all my fucking sections? I appear to be awake. (laughs) But it was but but it and his own adjoining sitting room into which he shuffled in his slippers, attracted by a great light there, had undergone a surprising transformation. Almost as though he sensed a disquieting metamorphosis. A disturbance. Is this home actually stretching? Or is it your imagination? (laughs) The walls and ceiling were so hung with human hair that it looked a perfect grove. (laughs) The clumps of fur held drops of moisture. Jesus Christ. As if many little mirrors had been scattered there and such a mighty blaze went roaring up the chimney. Heaped upon the floor to form a kind of throne were naked women. Hell yeah. Light. Dark, thin, fat. I get it. All bestowed with glorious pubic hair toupees. <laughs> Blonde and brown, black and silver, every color of the vagina hair rainbow. This is magnificent. In easy state, upon this naked lady pile, there sat a giant female, glorious to see, who bore a glowing torch in a shape not unlike Ed Gein's coin purse, who raised it high to shed its light upon Corncob as he came peeping round the door. Come in, come in, and know me better, man. I am Big Betty, the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me. You have never seen the like of me before. The spirit stood, tall and proud, legs spread wide. Goodness! And Corncob had never seen a more majestic merkin in all his life. Never a tremendous merkin you possess. Incredible. It pokes out from beneath your tunic. Unbelievable. Spirit, conduct me where you will. I went forth last night... In, compul- in compulsion. <laughs> Quality reading on my part. And I learned a lesson which is working now. Tonight, if you have ought to teach me, I'd be fine with it. That would be all right. Touch my merkin. I would gladly touch your merkin. Corncob did as he was told and held it fast. <laughs> the room and its contents all vanished instantly. And they stood in the city streets upon a snowy Christmas morning. Corncob and the ghost passed on, invisible, straight to Corncob's clerks, and then on to the threshold of the door. The spirit smiled and stopped to bless Brob Cratchit's dwelling. Brob Cratchit, Irish wristwatch. Brob, Brob Cratchit. Brob Cratchit. I'm doing real good. For the amount of drunk I am right now, I'm doing real good. (laughs) On the threshold of the door, the spirit smiled and stopped to bless Bob Cratchit's dwelling with the sprinklings of her vagina hair. Think of that. Fuck you, I did it. Then up rose Mrs. Cratchit, dressed out but poorly in a twice-turned-down gown, brave in ribbons, which are cheap and made a goodly show for sixpence. Nearby was Wilhelmina Cratchit, second of her daughters, also brave in ribbons. So oh, brave. young Peter So Cratchit. brave, these ribbons. Yep, so brave, these ribbons. <gasps> so brave. Scary. America. <laughs> brave. <laughs> While young Peter Cratchit plunged a fork into a saucepan of potatoes. Fucking loser. Orange and the now the two smaller victims. Cratchits, boy and girl, came tearing in, screaming that outside the bakers they had smelt a goose mm. and known it for their own. I smelt a goose. And basking in luxurious thoughts of sage and onion, which is garbage food, these young Cratchits danced about the table. What has ever got your precious father then? Said Mrs. Cratchit. And your brother, Tiny Tim. And Martha wasn't as late last Christmas Day by half an hour. Here's Martha, mother. Said a girl, appearing as she spoke. Why, bless your aunt alive, my dear. How late you are. Said Mrs. Cratchit, kissing her a dozen times and taking off her shawl and bonnet for her and touching her merkin. (laughs) 
We had a deal of work to finish up last night at the strip club. Christmas really brings in the sad old weirdos. And we have to clear away all the jizz-soaked panties this morning, Mother. Well, never mind. So long as you are come, sit ye down before the fire, my dear Lord Blessy. No, no. There's Father coming, cried the two young Cratchits, who were everywhere at once. Hide, Martha, hide. So Martha hid herself and came and hit her. I heard hit herself. I'm sorry. No, she hit herself. <laughs> she old, she punched herself in the face and then she hid in a closet. And in came little Bob, the father, with his threadbare clothes darned up and brushed to look seasonable and tiny Tim upon his shoulder. Alas for tiny Tim, he bore a little crutch and his limbs supported by an iron frame and he walked around wearing an iron maiden. Why, where's our Martha? Cried Bob Cratchit, looking around. Not coming. Not coming? Not coming on Christmas Day? Martha didn't like to see him disappointed. If it were only... If it only were in joke. <laughs> I fucking wrote this. I can't do it. Irish wristwatch. <laughs> Irish wristwatch. Scottish wristwatch. So she came out prematurely from behind the closet door and ran into his arms in a weird, incesty way while the two younger Cratchits hustled in Tiny Tim. And... How did little Tim behave? Asked Mrs. Cratchit when she had rallied Bob on his credulity. And Bob had hugged his... It's credulity. Nope, it's not. It's credulity. Good enough. And Bob had hugged his daughter to his heart's content within the acceptable amount Amount of of hugging that a father can give a daughter. As good as gold and better. Somehow, uh, somehow he gets thoughtful sitting by himself so much and thinks the strangest things you've ever heard. Our kid's a fucking weirdo. (laughs) He told me coming home that he hoped people saw him in the church. And because he was a cripple, uh, it it might be pleasant for them. (laughs) What the fuck? Kids fucked up. I didn't write that. That's a Dickens. That it might be... What the fuck? Yeah, it might be pleasant to remember. It might be pleasant for them to remember upon Christmas Day. Who... The la- who Coolly. made the lame beggars walk and blind man see? Yeah, they're see, like, remember Christ on Christmas. I, Chris. rem- always remember we'll Christ on Christmas. Put the Christ back in yeah. Christmas, y'all. Put the Christ back in Christmas. Bob's voice was tremendous. Yes, yes, it was. Or tremulous, either one. I don't know. It was tremendous. Thank you. Yeah, when he told them this and trembled more when he said the tiny Tim was growing strong and hearty because he was a lying sack of shit. Nice. His active little crutch was heard upon the floor and came back Tiny Tim before another word was spoken, escorted by his brother and sister to his stool beside the fire. Peter and the two younger Cratchits went on to fetch the goose, with which they soon returned in high procession. Mrs. Cratchit made the gravy hissing hot. Peter mashed up the potatoes with incredible vigor. Like so much dick. mashed potato he vigor. He worked those potatoes like he is dick. Miss Wilhelmina sweetened up the applesauce. Martha dusted the hot plates. Don't know what that fucking means. Bob took Tiny Tim beside him in a tiny corner at the table and molested him. The two younger Cratchits said cheers to everybody. <laughs> or didn't molest him. Merry Christmas. I didn't touch him. At last- He's a good boy. A little strange. <laughs> At last, the dishes were set on, and grace was said, and a, a murmur. Friendly of, with his crutch, though, and <laughs> he likes to put it in places. <laughs> and a murmur. Merry of, Christmas to me. <laughs> and a Tiny Tim, hand me all that crutch. <laughs> give me the old, give me the old Father Christmas. Give me the old, Christ, me the old oh, Father Christmas in the tool. hole. <laughs> 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 
At last, the dishes were set on, and Grace was said, and a murmur of delight rose all around the board, and even Tiny Tim, with a crutch up his asshole, excited by the two younger Cratchits, beat on the table with the handle of his knife, and feebly cried, You were hitting the table too hard. I'm sorry. They beat on the table. There was yeah, never- but he's feebly, feebly bit. That's good. <laughs> there was never such a goose. Its tenderness and flavor, size and cheapness, <laughs> sexiness and openness to anal were themes of universal <laughs> admiration. Eked out by applesauce and mashed potatoes, it was a sufficient dinner for the whole family. But now, the plates being changed by Wilhelmina, Mrs. Cratchit left the room alone. In half a minute, Mrs. Cratchit entered, flushed and smiling proudly. At last, the dinner was done, the cloth was cleared, the hearth was swept, and the fire made up. And then all the Cratchit family drew round the hearth in what Bob Cratchit called a circle. <laughs> I don't know what that fucking means. It wasn't a circle. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> no. While the chestnuts on the fire sputtered and crackled noisily. Then Bob proposed. A Merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us. Which all the family re-echoed. Which, oh. by the way, re-echoed. They just fucking echoed. Yeah, just regular echo. Yep. God bless guy, us, okay. everyone. Everyone. <laughs> it's my line, Yeah, don't step on her. Do it again, Melly. You got it. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Said Tiny Tim, the last of all. <laughs> he sat very close to his father's side upon his little stool. I'm doing the weird Bob voice now. <laughs> <laughs> he held his withered hand in his. Bob... Bob held his withered hand in his as if he loved the child as if. and wished to keep as him by his side but he and, did. and dreaded that he like, might I, be taken I really can't from him. Out on the street. It's sort of illegal. Yeah. <laughs> Nambla. Corncob raised his head speedily upon hearing his own name. Mr. Merry Christmas from Nambla. Ms. Merry Christmas from Nambla, Mr. Corncob. <laughs> I give you Mr. Corncob, the founder of the feast. The founder of the feast, indeed, cried Mrs. Cratchit, reddening. I wish I had him my ear. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I'd hope he'd have a good appetite for it. My dear, the children, Christmas Day. It should be Christmas Day, I am sure, on which one drinks the elf of such an odious, Christ almighty, odious, stingy, hard, but nippled, infected, unfeeling man as Mr. Corncob. I think you meant stingy. Man, fuck you. <laughs> you know he is, Robert. Nobody knows it better than you do, poor fellow. My dear, Christmas Day. I'll drink to his health for your sake and the days, not for his. Long life to him. A merry Christmas and a happy new year. He'll be very merry and very happy, I have no doubt. The children drank the toast after her. It was the first of their proceedings which had no heartiness in it. Tiny Tim drank it last of all, but he didn't care two pence for it. Not even one pence. Not even. Corncob was the ogre of the family, even though he wasn't in the fucking family. <clears throat> the mention of his name cast a dark shadow on the party, which was not dispelled for a full five minutes. Jesus. After it had passed away, they were ten times merrier than before, from the mere relief of Corncob the dickhead being done with. I don't appreciate it. Bob Cratchit told them how he had a situation. How he had a situation <laughs> in his eye. Shut up. Oh. Bob I, I had an Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Wait, three times. Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Pretty close. Pretty good. <laughs> uh, Bob Cratchit told them how he had a situation in his eye for young Peter, which would bring them a full five and sixpence weekly. Oh, that's a fucking I'm going to sell my money. child. <laughs> the two young... <laughs> Jesus. Into sexual slavery. The two oh, young... The two... Merry Christmas. Ah! <laughs> the two young Cratchits... And to all a good night. 
to most a good night to some to whoever has five and sixpence. <laughs> oh my god. Child molestation is not funny any no, time of not, the year. Except when Ooh, you, the when two, you, when you, I'm not even gonna. The two, fine. the two young Cratchits laugh tremendously at the idea of Peter being a man of business and ass play. Martha, <laughs> who was a poor apprentice at a strip club, then told them about what kind of work she had to do and how many hours she had to work at a stretch and a how she had to stretch underpants. I have to clean up and how much she had and how she meant to lie in bed tomorrow alone for a good long rest well deserved all this time the chestnuts and a jug of ale went round and round this is mostly children right over the drinking ale and by because and by, it was older times and by and by they had a song about a child lost traveling in the snow what the from fuck? tiny tim merry fucking christmas, merry christmas die in the snow who had a plaintive little voice and sang it very well indeed oh, yes i did there was nothing of high mark in this no. They were not a handsome family. No, we were they were ugly. a pretty fucking fugly family. I'm going to die they were, soon. They were not well dressed. I'm tiny Christ. Tim. Their I'm shoes dying. were far from being waterproof. I don't wear shoes. Their clothes were scanty. Mm-hmm. They're <laughs> like they That's don't. That's why wear. it works at the strip clubs. But they were happy. And when they faded, they looked happier yet in the bright sparklings of the spirit's vagina torch at parting. When they were faded. Yeah, it's what's up? Corn Cop had his eye upon them, and especially upon Tiny Tim. Yeah, upon the last. I'm quite handsome. This is getting creepy. I don't appreciate it. It was a great surprise to Corn Cop as the scene vanished to hear a hearty laugh. <laughs> it was a much greater surprise to Corn Cop to recognize it as his own nephew's, and to find himself in a bright, dry, gleaming, and more adjectives room with the spirit standing smiling by his side and looking at that same nephew. With a glint in her eye. Mm. When Corncob's nephew laughed, Corncob's niece by marriage <laughs> laughed as heartily as he. <laughs> and their assembled friends, being not a bit behind-handed, laughed out lustily. Lustily! He said that Christmas was a humbug, as I live. Said Corncob's nephew. He believed it too. More shame for him, Fred. Said Corncob's niece indignantly. Bless those women, for they never do anything by halves. They are always in earnest. We keep it 100. Hashtag feminism. She was very pretty. <laughs> These bitches keep it 100. B- bitches. Hashtag feminism. feminism. Yeah, bitches keep it real. Hashtag Christmas Carol. Hashtag feminism. feminism. She was very pretty. Oh, exceedingly yeah. pretty. I'm hot. Don't tell her to smile. No. She was uh, with a dimpled, surprised-looking capital Dimple, face. Oh, with a dimpled bottom. With a dimpled, surprised-looking capital face and a ripe little mouth that seemed made to a be dimpled fucked. dimpled, surprised bottom. <laughs> no, a dimpled... Su- uh, no. No. A ripe little mouth that seemed made to be fucked, as no wow. doubt it was. All kinds of good little dots about her chin that melted into one another when she laughed. And she had the greatest dumper you ever saw on any little creature's body. He's a comical old fellow. That's the truth. <laughs> uh, and not so pleasant uh, uh, as he might be. However... <laughs> His offenses carry their own punishment, and I have nothing to say against him. Who suffers by his ill whims? Whims! Himself, always. Here, he takes it into his head to dislike us, and he won't come and dine with us. What's the consequence? He don't lose much of a dinner? Indeed, I think he loses a very good dinner. Well, I am very glad to hear it. Because I haven't a great faith in these young housekeepers. They're excellent for fucking. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> but often lacking in the kitchen. 
It's better than lurking I in the bedroom, you though, I haven't say. read this. I, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> After tea, they had some music, for they were a musical family and knew what they were about. I love the guitar. But they didn't devote the whole music. They didn't. Blah, 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 the whole music Irish dress watch. Irish dress watch. Jesus. But they didn't devote the whole evening to music. After a while, they played at forfeits. For it is good at Christmas. For it is good to be children sometimes, and never better than at Christmas, when its mighty founder was a child himself. He was fucking born at Christmas. He was a, a minutes old. Well, here's a new game. Said Corncob. One half hour spirit, only one. It was a game called Yes and No. Good job, British people. Good. Where Corncob's nephew had to think of something, and the rest must find out what. He only answering their questions, yes or no, as the case was. The fire of questioning to which he was exposed to elicited from him that he was thinking of an animal, a live animal, rather a disagreeable animal, a savage animal, an animal that growled and grunted and fucked and sometimes talked and lived in London and walked about the streets and wasn't made a show of and wasn't led by anybody and didn't live in a menagerie and was never killed in a market and was not a horse or an ass or a cow or a pig or a tiger or a dog or a... Cat, cat or a bear lines a lot of fucking shit and every new question put to him his nephew burst into a fresh roar of laughter it was so inexpressibly tickled that he was obliged to get up off the sofa and stamp at last his wife cried out i have found it i know what it is fred i know what it is what is it it's your uncle corn gob which, ah! which it certainly was Admiration was the sentiment. He's not, a, he's not a pig. Though some objected right. to the reply, is it a bear? Ought to have been, yes. yes. You got jokes, Dickens. You got jokes. The whole scene to be passed off in the breath of you, the you last know the, word. The, the room burst into applause and <laughs> laughter. <laughs> a bear? He's yuck, not, yuck, yuck, but he's not a bear. He's a man. <laughs> Old English people are stupid. The whole scene passed off in a breath of the last word spoken by his nephew, and he and the spirit were again upon their travels. Much they saw, and far they went, and many homes they visited, but always with a happy end. The spirits stood by sick beds, and they were cheerful, on foreign lands, and they were close at home. In almshouses, hospital, and jail, in misery's every refuge, where vain man and his little brief authority had not made fast the door, the, the bar... And barred the spirit out. Mama had not made fast the door and barred the spirit out. He left a blessing. That should be she left a blessing. Sorry, with her vagina. Suddenly, they stood together in an open place and the bell struck 12. Corncob looked about him for the ghost and saw her no more. Bye, bitches. (laughs) Peace out. As the last stroke ceased to vibrate in his anal vibrator, he remembered the prediction of old Bane Marley. You're making a lot of assumptions about Jaws. I mean, Ebenezer Jaws in quotation marks, Corncob. And lifting up his eyes, beheld a solemn phantom, draped and hooded, coming like a mist along the grounds towards him. The last of the spirits. The phantom slowly, gravely, silently, without a sound, add more adjectives, approached. When it came near him, Corncob bent down upon his knee, for in the air through which this spirit moved, it seemed to scatter gloom and mystery. And misery. Gloom and mystery. Gloom and mystery. It was shrouded in a finely tailored 1960 suit and tie with matching felt hat. <laughs> From under the hat shone a face so attractive and symmetrical that he could have been the lead in an AMC TV show. <laughs> he had one outstretched hand in which he held a small snack stick made of ham. <laughs> Corncob knew no more, for the spirit neither spoke nor moved. 
I am in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come then, yes? The ghost of the future? You look surprisingly like John Hamm. You are much scarier than all the other ghosts. And I am worried that... 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 It, that... <laughs> that what, what are you worried about, worried Charles? Know, because it turns out I've been a bit of a bastard. <laughs> but as I know your purpose is to do me good, and as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, I am prepared to walk around with you and smell the disgusting goddamn hamstick you keep carrying with you <laughs> and do it with a thankful heart. Uh, will you not speak to me? It gave him no reply. The hand was pointed straight before them. A very well, spirit hack, snack hamstick. Play on, Macduff! <laughs> Lead on, spirit! They scarcely seemed to enter the city, for the city rather seemed to spring up about them. But there they were in the heart of it, on change, amongst the merchants. The spirit stopped beside one little knot of businessmen. Observing that the hand was pointed to them, Corncob advanced to listen their talk. No! Said a great great fat man with a monstrous chin. I don't know much about it either way. I only know he's dead. When did he die? Inquired another. Last night, I believe. Why, what was the matter with him? I thought he'd never die. God knows. What has he done with his money? I haven't heard. Company, perhaps? Strippers? (laughs) He hasn't left it to me. That's all I know. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Brief interlude. (laughs) Corncob was at first inclined to be surprised that the spirit should attach importance to conversation apparently. So trivial, but feeling assured that it must have some hidden purpose, he set himself (laughs) to consider what it was likely to be. It could scarcely be supposed to have any bearing on the death of Bane, his old partner, for that was past, and this ghost's province was the future. He looked about in that very place for his own image, but another man stood in his accustomed corner, and though the clock pointed to his usual time of day for being there, he saw no likeness of himself among the multitudes that poured in through the porch. It gave him little surprise, however, for he had been revolving in his mind a change of life, and he thought and hoped he saw his newborn resolutions carried out in this. They left this busy street and went on into an obscure part of the town to a low shop where iron, old rags, bottles, bones, and greasy offal were brought. And heroin. And lots mm. of heroin. Maybe a little bit of meth. Mm-hmm. Uh, a gray-haired rascal of great age sat smoking his peep. Corncob Corncob and the phantom came into the presence of this man just as a woman with a heavy bundle slunk into the shop but she had but she had scarcely entered when another woman similarly laden came in too and she was closely followed by a man in faded black after a short period of blank astonishment in which the old man with his peep had joined them they all three burst into a laugh <laughs> Let the charwoman alone be the first Cried she who had entered first Let the laundress alone be the second Let the undertaker's man alone be the third Look at, look here, old Joe Here's a chance If you haven't all three met here without meaning it You couldn't have met at a better place 
Well, what have you got to sell? Half a minute's patience, Joe, and you shall see. What odds, then? What odds? Every person that has a right to take care of themselves, he always did. Like fucking Voldemort. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, who's the worst for the loss of a few things like these? Not a dead man, I suppose. No, indeed, sir. If he wanted to keep him after he was dead, a wicked old screw, why wasn't he natural in his lifetime? If he had been, he'd have had somebody to look after him when he was struck with death. In <laughs> <laughs> Instead of lying... Pardon me, the police are coming by. No. The pose. Everyone get down below the desk. <laughs> Instead, he was lying gasping out his last there, dying of infected butt nipples. Alone. By himself. It's the truest word that ever was spoke. It's a judgment on him. I wish it was a little heavier judgment, and it should have been if I'd laid my hands on anything else. Open that bundle, old Joe, and let me know the value of it. Speak it out plain. I'm not afraid to be the first, nor am I afraid for them to see it. Joe? And by it, I mean my vagina. <laughs> Joe went down to his knees. In front of my vagina. For the greater convenience of, of my vagina. The front of that dress and the bundle and of dragged my out vagina. A large and heavy roll of some dark stuff. Which In my vagina. Is also her vagina. What do you call this? A vagina? <laughs> or bed curtains? Ah! Or beef curtains? Beef curtains! <laughs> I call them bed curtains, not beef curtains. Don't drop your man oil upon my blankets now. <laughs> Look, I'm trying to sell you things. Stop talking about my glorious vagina curtains. <laughs> His blankets. Who's else do you think? He isn't likely to take a cold without him. Bob and Melly are broken. He isn't likely to take a cold without him. I dare say. Ah. Uh, Ah! Ah! You may ah! look through that shirt till your eyes ache, but you won't find a hole in it, nor a threadbare place. It's the best he had, and a fine one, too. Finer than my vagina, a.k.a. beef curtains. <laughs> They've wasted it by dressing him up in it if it hadn't been for me and Cor my vagina. Corncob listened to this dialogue in horror. Spirit, I see, I see. The case of this unhappy man... Might be my own. My life tends that way now. Merciful heaven! What is this? The scene had changed, and now he almost touched a bare, uncurtained bed. A pale light rising in the outer air fell straight upon this bed, and on it, unwatched, unwept, uncared for, un... was the body of this plundered, unknown man. Spirit, let me see some tenderness connected with the death. Or with this dark chamber spirit will be forever present to me. The ghost conducted him to poor Bob Cratchit's house, the dwelling he had visited before, and found the mother and the children seated round the fire. Quiet. Very quiet. The noisy little Cratchits were as still as statues in one corner and sat looking up at Peter, who had a book before him. The mother and her daughters were engaged in needlework, but surely they were very quiet. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. 
Where had corn corn cob corn cob corn corn cob heard those words? Irish Christmas. Had he not <laughs> dreamed them? The mother laid her work upon the table and put her hand up to her face. The color hurts my eyes. She said, "The color." Ah, poor tiny Tim. They're better now again. It makes them weak by candlelight. And I wouldn't show weakness to your father when he comes home for the world. For it must be near his time. Rather past it. I think he has walked a little slower than he used these past few evenings. I have known him to walk with... I have known him to walk with Tiny Tim upon his shoulders. Very fast indeed. Cried out one of the sisters. And so have I. So had all. But he was very light to carry, and his father loved him so, perhaps too much. Mm-hmm. And it was no trouble, no trouble, as long as Tiny Tim didn't talk about it. <laughs> but stuff for Christmas. And there was your father at the door. She hurried out to meet him, and Bob came in. The two young Cratchits got up upon his knees and laid each child. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're too young. He it's, likes them crippled. Yep. Wow! Wow! <laughs> A little cheek against his face as if they said, Don't mind it, Father. Don't be grieved. Bob was very cheerful with them and spoke pleasantly to all the family. He looked at the work upon the table praised the industry and speed of Mrs. Cratchit and the girls. That's good they industry. would be done long before Sunday, he said. Sunday? You went today then, Robert? Yes, my dear. Returned Bob. I, I, I wish you could have gone. It, it would have done you good to see how green the place was since our son became mulch. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas, dead children. <laughs> too, too dark? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but you'll see it often. I, I promised him that I would walk there on Sunday. Oh, my little child, my little, little child. He broke down all at once. He couldn't help it. Spirit snack hamstick! This has been a spooky and unsettling night, though very informative. Spooky! So so that I appreciate. Uh, And and I think I get the gist of what everyone's been trying to tell me, after all. Uh, But as a favor to me, Ebenezer Jarls, in quotes, corncob, please tell me what a man that, what man that was with the covered face. Whom we saw lying dead. The ghost of Christmas yet to come conveyed him to a dismal, wretched court y- churchyard. The or courtyard. Kirkland. <laughs> Kirkland. 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 The spirit stood among the graves and pointed down to one. This is a very nice Costco you've brought us to. <laughs> Before I draw... Costco of coffins. <laughs> Before I draw you to that stone to which you point, ask, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of things that are super-duper money-back guaranteed going to happen? Or are they shadows of things that only may be? Still, the ghost pointed downward to the grave by which it stood. That's not particularly helpful, spirit hack, snack hamstick. Listen! Men's courses will foreshadow certain ends to which, if preserved in, they must lead. Persevered? Persevered? I don't... I won't look... <laughs> Look, I'm a lot of beers in at this point, so I can only read so well. But if the courses are departed from, the ends will change. Say it is thus with what you show me. The spirit was immovable as ever. Corncob crept towards it, trembling as he went, and following the finger, <laughs> read upon the stone of the neglected game. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Get it together, Quinn! God, upon the stone of the neglected grave, his own name! Ebenezer Charles 
in parentheses or in quotations, <laughs> corn cob. Am I the man who lay upon the bed? No, spirit. Oh, no, no, spirit snack hamstick. Hear me. I am not the man I was. I will not be the man I must have been, but for this intercourse. Sexual intercourse. Yes, on the inside. In, out, in, out. What and what? Just the tip and just for a moment. Just the tip, just for a moment. Ball snacks snapping against your chin. You know all the ins and outs of it. Why show me this if I am past all hope? Assume me that I may yet change these sure. shadows. So you've shown me pine-haltered life. For the first time, the kind hand grasped about the snack hamstick faltered. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future, thus destroying space-time and entering a fourth dimension. <laughs> Looper! Looper! Starring uh, that Hayden one guy and also the other guy who is bald. Spirits of all three shall li- strive within me. Uh, Bruce Willis, that was his name. <laughs> three men are striving inside you right three, now. All three... And also a Merkin lady, which was incredible. Uh, I will not shut out. <laughs> I'm not shut out the the lessons that they teach. Oh, tell me, I may. Sp- <laughs> oh, tell me that I may sponge away the writing upon this stone. Holding up his hands in one last prayer to have his fate reversed, he saw an alteration in the phantom suit and hat. It shrunk, collapsed, and dwindled down into a bedpost. Yes, and the bedpost was his own. The bed was his own. The room was his own. Yes, I get it. He's at his fucking house again. Best and happiest of all, the time before him was his own. To make amends You're in. doing pizza hands. <laughs> <laughs> he was, I guess you're doing pizza hands. <laughs> he was checked in his transports by the churches ringing out the lustiest peals he had ever heard. Sexy peals. Sexy peals. Running it, to the window. Do it, do it with pizza hands. Running to the window, no, he that's opened not the right it voice. and put out his head. No fog, no mist, no night, fog! clear, bright, staring, golden day. What's today? Cried Corncob, calling downward to a boy in Sunday clothes, a young boy he had known well about town for his prowess in public speaking and genocide. What the fuck? <laughs> eh? What's today, my fine genocidal fellow? Today? Why? Christmas Day! It's Christmas Day! I haven't missed it! Hello, my fine fellow! Hello! Do you know the professional turkey men? The one who lives in next street over the one at the corner? I should hope I do! Ah, an intelligent boy! A remarkable boy! A boy- You're fond of me! Yes! A boy with baby soft hands! Yes! You- <laughs> I like to paint! <laughs> I like to paint German Shepherds! Get a rip- <laughs> Jesus! Well, I like to build camps. <laughs> I like camping. <laughs> I like camp. I like to make others camp. How do Merry you Christmas. How do you feel about showers? <laughs> Fond of them. I like shower. Group showers. Group showers. <laughs> I like twins. Do, do you know whether they sold the super duper turkey that was hanging there? <laughs> Not the tiny turkey, but I'm talking about the big turkey. What? The one that's big as me? What a delightful boy. A, a pleasant smelling boy. It's a pleasure to talk to him. Yes, I smell my like butt. white purity. Sweet Christ. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, shit. Merry Christmas. Ah! Or, you know, Happy Hanukkah. Oh, my God. Oh, no. God. No, no. <laughs> Keep going, Charles. Caroline. Charles, we need you. Keep going. Charles, come back. What? I, I said yes, my boss. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's hanging there now. Is it? Go buy it. Doomkopf. No, no, I'm an earnest. Go and buy it and, and tell him to bring it here. That I might give him direction to where to take it. Uh, come back with the man and I'll give you a shilling. Come back with him in less than five minutes and I'll give you half a crown. The boy was... Oh, off I go. The boy was off like a shot. I'll send it to Bob Cratchit's. That's not the word. Bob Cratchit's. I got a shirtless watch. Good work. I got German shirtless watch. German... <laughs> Swiss, Swiss wristwatch. <laughs> also difficult. He shan't know who sends it. It'll be twice the size of Tiny Tim because it's a crippled icky boy. <laughs> Bo- the Booze and Brews podcast never made such a joke as sending it to Bob's will be. The hand in which he wrote the address was not a steady one, but write it he did somehow and went downstairs to open the street door, ready for the coming of the Poulterer's man. Ah, uh, Poulterer's man. It was a turkey. He could have stood upon his legs, that bird. He would have snapped him short off in a minute like sticks of sealing wax. British. Corncob dressed himself all in his best and at last got out into the streets. The people were by this time pouring forth as he had seen with uh, them with the ghost of Christmas present. And walking with his hands behind him, touching his own bottom, Corncob regarded everyone with a delighted smile. He looked <laughs> so irresistibly pleasant that three or four good-humored fellows said, Good morning, sir. A Merry Christmas to you. In the afternoon, he turned his steps toward his nephew's house. He passed the door a dozen times before he had the courage to go up and knock. But he made a dash and did it. It's your master at home, my dear, said Corncob to the girl. Nice girl, very. Yes, sir. Oh, where is he, sugar tits? (laughs) He's in the dining room, donkey balls, (laughs) with his mistress. Well, he knows me. Go in here, my friend. Fred! Why? Bless my soul! Who's that? It is I, your Uncle Ebenezer Charles, in quotation marks, Corncob. And I have come to dinner. Will you let me in, Fred? Of course I will, Uncle Charles in quotation marks, Corncob. Let him in! <laughs> it's a family voice. It is a mercy he didn't shake his arm off. He was at home in five minutes. Nothing could be heartier. Wonderful party, wonderful games, wonderful unanimity, wonderful happiness. But he was early at the office next morning. Oh, he was early there. If he could only be there first and Bob Cratchit coming late... That was the thing he had set his heart upon. Because he's a dick. Mm -hmm. And he didn't. The clock struck nine. No Bob. A quarter past. No Bob. Bob was full 18 and a half minutes behind his time. Corncob sat with his door wide open that he might see him come in. Bob's hat was off before he opened the door. He was on his stool in a jiffy, driving away with his pen as if he were trying to overtake nine o'clock. Hello. Growled Corncob in his accustomed voice as near as he could feign it. What do you mean by coming here at this time of the day? I'm very sorry, sir. I am behind my time. You are? Yes, I think you are. Step this way, if you please. It's only once a year, sir. It shall not be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday, sir, and I had a bad case of the whiskey dick. So I had to give my wife her Christmas plowing this morning instead. (laughs) 
Well, now I'll tell you what, my friend. I'm not going to stand for this sort of thing any longer. And Neither did my whiskey dick. I, put it away, please. Corn cob. But now, is, but now it's rather majestic. This is a place of business. A business of my majestic dick. Corn cob continued leaping from his stool. I'm a little envious, not... Uh, and giving Bob such a dig in the waistcoat that he staggered back. And therefore, I'm about to raise your salary. Oh. Because of your majestic erection. I don't blame you. A Merry Christmas, Bob. A Merry Christmas, Bob. My good fellow than I could have given you in many for many a year. I'll raise your salary and endeavor to assist your struggling family. And we will discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a Christmas growler of Imperial Stout, Bob. Make up the fires and buy a second coal scuttle before you dot another eye, Bob Cratchit. Well done. I will also give you a boat because I am Charles Corncob, a general who likes boats. I like boats as well. That's I'm into co- it. Delightful. I would like to fuck my wife on a boat. I will allow it. Corncob, Merry Christmas, was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And my wife. And to Tiny Tim. Who Merry Christmas to me. <laughs> okay. Or not. She's kind of a mouthy bitch. And to Tiny. Where did she get this delightful merkin? Shut up! <laughs> And to Tiny Tim, <laughs> who did not die, he was a second father in he, a gross way. He became as good a friend, oh. as good a master, Bader, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but his own heart <laughs> laughed, and that was quite enough for him. I laugh at your alteration. He had no further intercourse, nope, no sexual intercourse with the spirits, but lived in that respect upon the total abstinence principle ever afterwards. No fucking young boys. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well, if any man alive possessed the knowledge. I'm a man known for my Christmases. May that be my truly Christmases. said of us, and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us. Everyone. Aww. Hey, Merry Christmas, fuckos. Merry, Merry Christmas, fuckos. I hope you all thoroughly enjoyed our tale of a Christmas. I song. hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed doing we it. Which was a lot. I'm having all the fun. I'm kind of sad. It's over now. Yeah. Uh, Melly and I have been throwing our pages on the floor, floor like animals, as Bob said. And Bob's like, I've got it all nice and pretty. Yeah, you'll notice that mine is still a delightful pile nope, of paper. No, nope, no, nope. I'll take a picture of Melly and me. We're yeah. pigs. Yeah, I'm going to leave it on <laughs> the ground. Disgusting, disgusting pigs. Gross oinkers. Um, so as we, thank you so much for listening. Thank yes. you for spending Christmas with us. Yes, thank you. Um, as we were doing this, a, a play in four parts, Yes, we were drinking Christmas beers in four parts. That's right. As yeah. well. Yes. Some good, some okay. not good. Yeah. Yes, I could say I could safely say that most of these were not good. Yeah. yeah. So we're gonna run through. We bought the Christmas sampler from Bevmo. From, <laughs> from, Shel- <laughs> from Shelton Brothers Brewing. Yeah. Is that the name yeah. of the brewery? Sure. Yeah. In, the in, Shelton Brothers Brewing in uh Belcherton, Massachusetts. Yes. Well Belcherton. So uh, it started out with Bad Elf. Bad Elf. Uh, so yes, Act a One. A winter's ale. It was garbage. And it was I wrote an down. Ale, and it had a bunch of hops in it. It was like, oh, we threw a bunch of hops in there. Here's why it's bad. Tastes like fucking soap. It's all uh, bad. Yeah, I wrote down soapy, not great, exclamation point. Yeah, yeah. not good. <laughs> uh, not good. So part two. Didn't like the Bad Elf. The Bad Elf. No, Bad, bad. Elf bad. was actually bad. Was it bad. was right in the label and we should have trusted it. Yeah. Part two, we enjoyed the reindeer droppings. Yep. Which were also Which was dropping, also bad. Which was I, an English amber ale. Also bad. My All notes bad. say 
also kind of soapy, dot, 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 not great. I, uh, I felt like this one, the Ranger Droppings, had a more bitter finish mm-hmm. than the first one did. Neither of which is good. Mm-mm. I would not recommend either one. Yeah. No, do not drink these. Um, um, but I felt like it was better than the Bad Elf. Yeah, yeah. I, I preferred Reindeer Droppings to Bad Elf. They were uh, both bad. But then we're, so we're working our way up. So then yep. in part three, we were drinking the Santa's Butt. Yeah, uh, we I'm were. here to tell you that Santa's butt was a highlight for me. Actually, yeah. it was yeah, a Santa's good butt porter. Was good. Santa's got quite a dark badonka donk. He's got yeah. a donk. Yeah, for show. it was a porter. Yep, it was a porter. It was a porter. Yeah, it was a very it was good, good porter. Actually, it was, there was nothing wrong with it. Tasted there like was a porter. Yep. Tasted Santa's like, butt tasted delicious. Tasted like a Guinness to me. I was yeah. like, there's nothing wrong with this beer. Yeah, it, it didn't have the smoothness of a Guinness that you probably come to expect. Not but, the creaminess. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's not as creamy, but it was still it was good. Yeah, there's yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. It was if a very drinkable beer. If you want a funny Christmas gift, and for some reason it's Christmas Day and you haven't bought a Christmas gift yet, Santa's buy butt. Santa's butt. Santa's yeah, butt was if, pretty if good. If they're it an appreciator good. of a dark beer, there's nothing wrong with there's it. There's no yeah, it's no. very They're not gonna be they're not gonna write back to you. They're and not gonna be impressed. I'm so happy. Happy you, you, you bought this. This is not like Santa's a black butt. house modern times I'm nitro. I'm so happy I was able to put Santa's butt in my mouth hole. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I ate that ass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was delicious. Om nom nom. Um, and then we ended with um, Lump of Coal Dark Holiday Stout, which was okay. It which was, was a stout. Was I would stout. say, I actually don't know that it didn't taste like a, it was more of a porter to me. It tasted I, honestly, we're we're in a double up, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but at this point, the two dark beers to me tasted the same. Yeah. Uh, Which Santa- was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. Nope. Santa's butt was better to me than uh, lump of the, coal. What was it? Molten coal? Is that lump, what it's lump of lump coal. Of coal? Molten Not molten coal. coal. <laughs> That's a different flavor. Um, lump of coal didn't feel like a stout to me. It didn't have the no. sort of the the creaminess that I come to expect from that. No. Um, it wasn't bad though. No, it was not bad. Both of the darks were much better than both of the lights. Yeah. However, agreed. I don't think either of them were super duper great. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, the light, like I, the darks are fine. Th- there's nothing wrong with them. Mm-hmm. They're not worth don't, like, what they cost because they're a fucking seasonal thing and yeah. it's special and whatever. Probably yeah. wouldn't buy them on so their own. So don't buy them on their own. Don't buy the four pack. But I'm glad we yeah, did. Yeah, buy the four pack. Don't buy them individually because it's cheaper as a four pack. Yeah, but I, I would say buy them individually. And only Just buy, buy the, two. the Santa's oh, no, butt and the lump point. of coal. Yes, yeah, I would say if you know someone who likes beer and you are trying to find a funny holiday gift, and hey, if, you're, if it's it. today and it's Christmas and you buy them tomorrow, they'll probably be fifty percent off. Yep. If they're very Christmas themed. Agreed. That's right. Um, Just like our episode. Yes. So thank you. Um, I say this week the winner of the episode is Vanessa because she put in so much time and energy and effort into writing this fantastic story that we just shared with you all. So bravo, Vanessa. Thank you. Clap I love for her, God damn it. Thank you. I love you and appreciate you. Ah. You guys each brought your own individuality to it as we were doing it. So I think everybody wins. I think Everyone it was a wins big, this week. Thank you very much. It's a big group effort for yes. sure. Charles Corncobb was very disappointed that you didn't think that he was the winner. No. He worked very hard on this voice and his silliness and I... Bob, we don't care. Yeah, we don't care that much. It's Christmas. You don't get to win. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yes. Bah, God bless us, everyone. So, yes, um, thank you for listening. Thank, thank um, you so much, everybody. Merry uh, Christmas. Thank you for spending Christmas with us. We're so happy that you decided to do yes. that. We're happy that you listened, listened to us. To our, the entirety of our Christmas episode. Yes. <laughs> we thought it was delightful. I, I hope think you this did is going to become an annual thing for us. I think so. We love to do ridiculous voices and do radio dramas. Yes. So, here we are. <laughs> yeah. um, so, if you guys have any um, ideas for any future stories or if you want to share with us, us anything going back to our wonderful podcast the actual 
yeah. scheduled programming, have, uh, email we, us. Yeah. We will be back next week with something actually booze and brews related. Yeah. We'll be back. We will be back on New Year's Eve. New Year's Day. Yes. New Year's Day. New, New Year's, Year's Day. Day. We right. don't no sleep for the wicked. No. no. We get no time off. We've taken no time off for the holidays. No. We will give you fresh content every single fucking Monday. That's right. Because that's how we do. Come back New Year's Day. And um, we will have another episode for you. We aren't 100% decided on what we're going to do yet. But you know what? Surprise. There'll be ghosts. There'll, there'll be, be beer. beer. That we can promise you. Woo-woo. So yes. Um, if so- you enjoy those things, please follow us on Facebook at uh, booze and brews and then you can follow us on instagram at booze and brews podcast and you can follow us on twitter at booze and brews Woo! you can email us booze and brews um podcast at gmail.com we love your notes if you we send love us a it review. when you send us suggestions for future episodes yeah, yeah. do our work when you have yeah, things send you... us a christmas gift of doing our work that's for right. awesome ghost stories and that you have that yeah. you experienced in your own house um, yeah, and if you um, s- please rate, review, subscribe on the yes, iTunes, yes, yes. we will the, send the you love. The best Christmas gift that you could possibly give us is, a is review. if you can sit down. And then we will give you, you a gift. Yeah, you yeah. open up and your presents and then write a review. Do the numbers and the typey types with the words because that really helps. The, yep. the, the clicking of the stars helps, but the typing of the reviews helps Even more. better. And then send and us then an email send with us your And send us an email. Info. We will send you a gift. It may not yeah, be a Christmas gift We will send you a late Christmas point. gift. That's right. Yep. We will send you a Kwanzaa gift. Yep. We'll send yep. you Boxing a Day. President's Day gift. We like presidents. I love presidents. Yeah. yeah. America. 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 Uh, so, yeah. So, thank you all for listening and come back next week and uh, have a very Merry Christmas. Yeah. And until next week, cheers. cheers.